Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast presented on the Chop Sports Channel of the Premier Streaming Network. We are recording this on Sunday, August 13th. I am your host, Laurent Cortines. In this episode, Newcastle lay down a marker. Chelsea, not bad, versus Liverpool and Arsenal muddle through. But first, your way to early predictions and wild overreactions to the first week of the Premier League season. Before we get to that, please like, share, and subscribe. Like, share, and subscribe. It means everything. We need you. We love you. Please talk to us. If you do, we'll talk back. Okay, let's get to it. First, way too early reactions. Uh, This happens in the early season of nearly every sport. We're just getting new data. 23-24 is here. We got our new kits. We've got our new haircuts. I've got little studs on my shirt because my daughter sticks things on me. But when we see these reactions, they immediately... Uh, tickle us because it's new information and we're seeing new things. The first thing I can think of is, you know, if out of all the games, Newcastle were fantastic at home. Tonali looked like he's going to take over the world. He literally looked like Pirlo back there and Aston Villa are not good. Uh, But that's not true. We just had one game and they looked fantastic in their game. We learn very quickly that Burnley are quite good, even though City beat them 3-0. I thought they played really hard and really well. And that's just maybe my Manchester City bias. And City looked a little bit funky and had to do stuff. And and De Bruyne injured and were doomed. Uh, Arsenal got got it done. But second half versus versus Nottingham Forest, I don't think Havertz is going to work. So a lot of things like that. And we learned a lot about Spurs and Ange Postacoglu there. So there's a lot of stuff that flies around as we first start the season. There's a lot of things that get interesting. There's a lot of things we think we're going to learn. We think we're going to know. And we're going to find out more as we get one game, two games, 10 games, 15 games into the season. But the first few games really can start a narrative for a season. But we shouldn't overreact. We shouldn't overreact. If I remember correctly, uh, Rafa Benitez won his first three games (laughs) with uh, with Everton and everyone sort of forgave him and then it got really bad. Uh, I remember City won their first 10 games of the season in Pep's first season and it kind of went off the rails around Christmas when we lost to Leicester and things got weird. So early season, you can learn things, you can find out things, but we're not going to overreact. We're going to be rational, calm, and understated. Right? Right? No, probably not. Um, I'd like to kind of go through, uh, let's start getting into the games because I think the first the first game to talk about is the Newcastle game because I think that really sort of set the tone for the weekend in what the season could end up looking like versus the Chelsea-Liverpool game, even though it was a very exciting game. Newcastle, Aston Villa, Newcastle five, Aston Villa one, and it wasn't even that close. Um, Tonali scored on six on a great late run into the box after um, after they got out wide to to put the ball in. Who was it that got out wide? I don't remember. Oh, it was um, it was it was Anthony Gordon, I think, who worked that worked that cross. I'm going to go through some of my stats here. Um, yeah, it was a shot that was saved on six from Bruno Gamaresh. It sort of bounced around and Anthony Gordon picked it up, 
from a double from Joe Linton out wide to Gordon and Tanali snuck in and got it in. Then it was just then it was just sort of felt like, you know, then Tonali had another shot that was saved. It was really sort of worrying, especially Gordon just terrorizing um, Aston Villa. But Aston Villa under Emery did get themselves back together, had a really nice moment um, from uh, Douglas Louise and Watkins, who set up Diaby. Diaby on a lovely, lovely, lovely uh, left-footed volley, sorry, right-footed volley that he put in. So he's a new player, gets off the schneid, really looking good. Both teams in really, really good shape. Uh, then we had a moment that really kind of took the game out of... Uh, Sorry, uh, after the Diaby goal, then Alexander Isak gets an amazing goal. He had two goals in this game, the assist from Botman. Uh, really good stuff. So within 15 minutes, we've got Newcastle up 2-1. Then on half hour, unfortunately, Tyrone Mings really gets hit hard, goes shoulder to shoulder with Mings, does his, does his ACL. And I think that takes a lot out of Villa at that point. Um they seemed psychologically to be damaged by the losing of Mings. They still were, they still had good moments, but once, once that happened, I really felt like they were in trouble and I don't think they had another, they had a few shots later in this. They had a few shots by then, but they were already down three, one by then. So I think it did some damage to them. Isaac with another goal lifts it over on an amazing, amazing finish. Just, so classy, almost gets the hat trick uh, on 60, and they're off on their way. Then, of course, as, as things would go, because they were playing so well, second half really growing to the game. Barnes comes on, Wilson comes on, both of them get goals. So you've got all these players coming on, everything changing, and they're still scoring goals. Uh, one last goal there late on 91 from Harvey Barnes. But this was a dominant performance. This was the same thing that we saw from Newcastle last season. That same energy, that same fight, that same relentlessness, that same energy. And it felt like Aston Villa were not ready, especially in the second half. There was a conversation on, uh, uh, on I think it was um, on the NBC broadcast that they talked about how Emery worked a lot on tactics while Eddie Howe worked more on fitness during preseason. And it you could see it. You could see Aston Villa running out of gas. And really, when the changes came on, that Newcastle were fit, their fans were pushing them, and they just blew them away, especially in the second half. This will probably be the worst performance Aston Villa has all season, to be fair. They really got beat badly. The high line was not working. They kept on getting in behind, and it looks like as the energy levels dropped and they still kept the high line, then it kept on being balls in behind, balls in behind, balls in behind. And I'm going to say this right now, and I don't think it's hyperbole. Outside of probably Manchester City, with their collection of midfielders. This three of Joe Linton winning balls, Guimaraes playing deeper in spring, and now Tonali also in the same role as Guimaraes, similar players, both moving as a group and as a unit. That three-man midfield is the best midfield in the division. I mean, who's better? Uh, I can't think of anybody. I mean, De Bruyne, Foden, Rodri, sure. De Bruyne, 
uh, uh, Bernardo Rodri. Yeah, that's a better midfield. Sure, they won everything, but in terms of just power and pace and what it looks like right now, if he, if that's not if it's not City's midfield, then it's definitely the midfield of Newcastle is just fantastic. And if Alexander Isak can stay where he is and put in a 2000 minute season. So that's probably like 30 games in the premier league division. He's going to score 20 goals easy. And then you have Callum Wilson who probably can't stay healthy enough, but when he plays Callum Wilson is good for 10 to 15 goals. So they've got what they need. Uh, they have depth. Now they added a lot of players. This is a fantastic team. And while there's concern about their first season as a Champions League season, if we were to take things as they were last season, they were just going to go with this group and not have midweek games, you could see this team challenging. Now, I don't think they're going to challenge because Premier League, I mean, and Champions League is a lot to deal with. And we saw when they had other focus in the League Cup, they dropped their levels a little bit. But this is a fantastic Newcastle team. And I forgot. And I didn't know Tonali very well. Uh, my friend Chris on the Top FC News podcast that we do together and YouTube channel said he thinks Tonali is probably better than Declan Rice. Time will tell. I mean, we do always have a Premier League bias for English players, for players we've seen. And I don't know Tonali super well. But just from what I saw yesterday, fantastic player uh, for the nerds. The XG was 3.4 for Newcastle, 1.6 for Villa. So Villa were okay, but this was probably not their best performance. And I think Emery is going to have to admit, hey, I got something wrong. We're not fit enough. We'll find our feet. We'll get ourselves together. But impressive, impressive performance by Newcastle. Really loved it. Really enjoyed it. Really think that they can really make noise this season. If I didn't think so already, this overreaction really tells me where I want to go with them. So great game, enjoyable game, worth watching. Keep your eye on our friends at Aston Villa. The next game I want to go to is obviously this this Chelsea-Liverpool uh, game, a really exciting game, a really good game with two teams that really have a lot to say about new players in new places. First of all, we have to go to the Chelsea lineup because – we don't even know what the hell their 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 team was going to be. One, they have like almost all the team is new. So Kepa is now on loan to Real Madrid. Robert Sanchez that they bought from Brighton is there. Levi Caldwell, who they recalled from Brighton, is there. Uh, Axel Diassi is there. French international, played in a World Cup with the venerable veteran Thiago Silva in the middle of a three. Okay, that's clear. Then we're going to do it wingbacks. Chilwell and James, it's not a coincidence. Last season, Chelsea fell apart when they didn't have either of them. So they were both there. And then uh, a midfield of Chikwamenga, Enzo Fernandez, and Gallagher. Really great, really fun, really strong with Jackson and Raheem Sterling up top. So a 3-5-2 or something like that uh, with the two wingbacks. Interesting, Mauricio Pochettino really pulls it out of the bag. He did not show this at all. During the preseason, he was doing a 4-2-3-1, and he does change it up as he goes. As we know, with Liverpool and Klopp, there's no variety. He never changes tactics. So what do they do? 4-4-2, Robertson, Van Dijk, Konate, Alexander-Arnold across the back with Becker. Fantastic. The rebuilt midfield of Gakpo, uh, McAllister, and Dominic Sobajai, along with Diaz, Jota, and Salah. So very normal. I don't think there was anything missing. I think maybe we thought... 
that um, Slobozai and McAllister would be uh, the two eights with um, with uh, what's his name, Curtis Jones anchoring them. But no, he goes with McAllister as the deepest lying midfielder, who was great as a deep lying midfielder. But Gakpo and Slobozai both really good. So the midfield part worked. That part was interesting. This fixture had had, I think, six straight versions of it. The last four meetings had been nil-nil, so we thought, hey, maybe this will be a nil-nil. But no, this game was up and down. This game was fantastic. Uh, really good first 30 minutes from um, Liverpool. Uh, Salah hit the bar on seven, on seven at 11. Uh, Liverpool went ahead on an amazing, and I mean amazing, amazing goal that uh, they created. So it went from a Callister deep into Salah. Salah draws the defenders and there's a slide rule pass that is just perfect that Diaz runs on and puts away. So Liverpool are up 1-0. Just incredible stuff. Then they almost went up 2, but Salah's arm was up ahead there. Just unable to get through. The VAR reviews it. I hate VAR. Fine. Then Chelsea on 36. So we have another 12 minutes of issues back and forth. Then, uh, the debutant, Diassi, gets on the end of uh, about three or four different crosses from Reese James, who was a menace, just terrorizing um, Robertson because he wasn't getting any help from Diaz or or um, or the other guy on that side whose, whose name escapes me, <laughs> or or Gakpo. Uh, yeah, poor Robertson was getting terrorized by by Reese James, who gets cross after cross after cross. Then one of them loops out to Chelwell, who heads it back in. And Diossi's there on the end after cross after cross after cross. So it's it's 1-1. Then Chelsea turn it up. It looks like they're going to go up 2-1. Then we have another offside, uh, you know, Chel that goes awry. So it's halftime. It's fun. Uh, Luis Diaz is terrorizing. Uh, and, you know, at this point, you know, we sort of can sort of think about who's doing well at the break. Thiago Silva is just a master, uh, 39 years old, still leading the team Colwell Levi Colwell did lose a little bit of steam he got very spooked by the great and powerful Salah and had about 15 minutes there where he did not feel good about what was going on and then another player to call out Enzo Fernandez is just a freaking world-class midfielder he was on top of anything that Chelsea did good and in the second half Chelsea were very 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 good and looked like the team that was probably going to win this game uh, I have to give shout outs to Nicholas Jackson, incredible running channels, had a couple times when he was in behind and just could not get on the end of it. Again, Allison's fantastic. The defense for um, for Liverpool, Konate and Van Dyke were very good. Didn't really have a great game, Alexander Arnold. He did come into the midfield in general. I think both teams can feel really good about where they were. Um, a nil, nil, a 1-1 draw with Chelsea is a good 1-1 draw. You know, um, so just a really entertaining game. Both teams can take a lot away from the game. Uh, Liverpool can take away from, hey, we have a midfield that can work. We'd love to have Caicedo, but if we don't, we don't. They still need a six. They need somebody. And then for Chelsea's side, they've got Chiquamenga and Enzo, who were both quite good, Enzo Fernandez. And then I thought that um, Conor Gallagher played really, really well. Uh, in the midfield. He got in, he got around. Now, is he a great reader of the game? Is he a great, like, relaxing kind of six the way 
uh, Rodri is or the way that uh, Fabinho is or, 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 or that kind of player. No, he has to really run to where he needs to be and make tackles where you get a little bit nervous, but I thought he acquitted himself well against probably the best attack in all of world football. Um, there was one controversial moment. I don't think it was controversial. Um, on 71, Klopp takes Salah out and Salah gets sort of pissed off and is fucking with his arm brace and throwing it off. Listen, that's his prerogative. Players need to come off and they need to be okay with it. Uh, Darwin Nunez had a shot that might have gone in. And then late in the game, um, Chelsea had a chance to win this more than once. And I think they'll feel a little bit hard done by not winning it. A little bit, you know, the XG machine likes this as a draw. So it was actually a draw. But a good game, a really enjoyable, and I think we'll see a lot from both teams this season. Chelsea may be better than we thought. I think, you know, a lot of folks were like, oh, they'll finish in the top six. They may be better than that. I thought Raheem Sterling played the best game he's played in a Chelsea shirt. And let me tell you, I've seen many, 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 many uh, Raheem Sterling games while he played with City. This was one of his better performances. He was getting the ball on a turn, driving into the box, uh, his passing again is still not great. He still can't shoot, but he was doing his Raheem Sterling things uh, that make you feel like he's involved in the game. So he was a menace. That whole side on Robertson's side with Reese James and um, and Sterling caused havoc a lot of the game. And I, I think any Liverpool fan was happy, probably happy with that point. Probably felt like in the first half they could have been up, but then in the end they got themselves the point they wanted, needed, and desired. So. Good stuff all around there. Very, very enjoyable. The other game uh, I'd like to cover because I think it's interesting, especially with the Harry Kane uh, moving on, and then we'll go back into the rest of the games uh, from from Friday and Saturday. Uh, Brentford Tottenham, really good game. I think people don't quite realize that these two teams were only a point and a few goals against from each other. Um, Tottenham played quite well. I thought, you know, really held possession in this game, really a different style. And it was so great to see <laughs> to see Spurs playing football again. Like, I don't, when was the last time Spurs played football? It's been ages since they've done it. I mean, Spurs under Mourinho, Conte, and Nuno just were this defensive sit deep kind of team. And it was just kind of brutal to watch for years. And yes, Harry Kane was great and son would score goals. And there was a lot of things on the surface to say, Oh, they are great. But this was, you know, a really great performance by Spurs and a fun game to watch. So really enjoyable, a two, two game, um, Spurs went up first on a Romero header when he was already concussed. And this is going to be a talking point. Really good management in that Postacoglu pulled him off because he was like, hey, you're going to fucking die. Uh, then a penalty that was uh, iffy, iffy penalty. Is that is that right? Do I have the timing right? Let me make sure. Um, yes, yes, yes. Hidman Sung fouled um, Mateus Jensen and then... Uh, and Buemo puts it in. Then Wisa puts Brentford ahead on 36. Uh, it's a it's an own goal, but Mickey Van de Ven, pro they probably would have saved it. The cutback was really, really good. 
Uh, Rico Henry was terrorizing Royale. Uh, good cross. Wisa on the end of it. I mean, if you watch Brentford, you know Wisa can score. They've got good players. But then Spurs late, just before halftime, a really great goal from Emerson Royale. Madison has the ball. He's been the only creator on the team. Gets fouled on the edge of the box. He's really trying to draw it. But in getting fouled, he sort of dribbles it over to Royale, who smashes it home. Uh, Flexing can't get a hold of it. And it's 2-2 uh, after 11 minutes of stoppage time, which is another whole story. But, you know, Spurs controlled the rest of the game, but didn't really create much. Uh, I thought Brentford were really good. They did manage to handle the sort of breaks in the second half that Brentford were getting, and Brentford really ran out of steam in the second half. Uh, there was some iffy moments, a lot of players getting their debut. Vicario uh, in goal for Spurs was a little bit shaky. The Brentford crowd really getting on his back. Um you know, it was an interesting game, a good game, a fun game. I thought Basuma was fantastic. Really nice to see him on the ball and playing. I kind of forgot that Spurs had him. I think there's going to be something that Spurs needs to figure out. Having Basuma and Skip in the lineup is a little bit too much. Uh, who was the third midfielder? I have to, I have to find the lineups again. Um, but anyway. Just a good performance all around from Spurs and enjoyable. I thought really fun, really something that Spurs fans can probably feel good. It's probably the best game they've had to watch in ages in that they didn't have to deal with all the bullshit. Uh, yeah, so players getting their debuts. Vicario, Van de Ven, uh, Udogi was good on the other side. Basuma was fantastic. Um, so really enjoyable. All right, the three in the midfield was uh, Basuma, Skip, and Madison with Kulishevsky, Son, and Richarlison up front. I thought Son was really bad. Richarlison was really bad. Really didn't add enough uh, in attack. It felt like Brentford just stifled everything that they could do. So just fantastic game. Really enjoyable. I think we're going to see some fun stuff from Spurs. That's a team, one, one impression, one view. I really like what I saw. I really thought Spurs... Uh, had a great game. They enjoyed themselves. They seem to be playing. They must be so freaking happy to not be in that dour, dark, dank hole of Conte ball, which um, which was just destroying their souls because they were losing, giving up goals, and had to deal with Conte. Uh, I don't know if you know this. Last season, Spurs games were the highest scoring games in all of world football. They gave 130-something goals. So just they gave up a ton. They scored a ton. They were just – but but they were Brutal to watch while giving up all those goes. Okay, that's a lot on Spurs. Okay, um, our friends, their friends in North London did play Nottingham Forest. Uh, Chris did a watch along with this game. First half, really good Arsenal, really easy Arsenal. And Ketier gets the goal on a deflection. Then Saka, in an amazing goal, cuts inside, going across the whole top of the box, fires it top ends. That's just the sort of stuff that Enketia can do. I mean, that that Bakari Saka can do. First half was all Arsenal. Brendan Johnson had one shot in the 11th minute, and that was it. It was off target. Nothing from uh, Forrest at that time. Second half, much, much better from Forrest. And in fact, Forrest fans might feel like they could have gotten something out of this game if they started playing earlier. Uh, I don't know about that, but our guy, uh, 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 Taiwo Iwoni, did get a goal back. 
on an assist from Alanga. So a new boy does contribute the goal, the first, the Enkedia goal, the setup for Martinelli. He does a spin move and back heels. That looked like a mistake, but it looked great on television. <laughs> so uh, first goal on 26, this, the, the, the spin by Martinelli into Enkedia's path. Really, really class. Near post finishes it. Poor Matt Turner has nothing he can do there. And then on 32, you get the Bakari Saka goal. So just easy first half, nice and easy. Uh, for Arsenal, they'll not feel great about how they played overall. They're still inconsistent. The way the lineup was with um, with with Thomas Partey playing fullback, I mean, it just... It just didn't work for me. I, I can see the idea that that Arteta's having. He's trying to copy Pep. He knows that he wants to get Gabriel out of that team. He feels like Gabriel is the defender who's going to be the problem or is the weak link in defense because now he's got Timber. Now he's got Saliba. He knows that Ben White really can play the ball but isn't as great as a central defender. So these players, he's got all these ball players but really doesn't trust Gabriel Santos uh, to be a ball player. So he plays Partian because he's trying to shoehorn in this Havertz thing. I I'm not sure what's going to happen with Havertz. I think um, he may just be one of those players who takes coaches down with him every time they buy him. He just doesn't seem to fit. He doesn't have a position. He doesn't have something that he does well that you feel like is the thing that he can do. He's not a center forward. We saw that. He's not a midfield. We saw that. Is he one of those players who's kind of stuck in a world that doesn't exist anymore? There's a lot of these players. Isco was one of them. Uh, Ozil was one of them. These number 10s, you can't adapt. You don't know where to play. What happens to number 10s when they don't have a place to play? Uh, I think Madison has been a good uh, example of a number 10 who's found a way by being very hardworking, being so good on the ball that he doesn't, um, it's not a liability. But a lot of these number 10s, they that just want the freedom to go where they want, they don't quite work hard enough. And I think that might be an issue for Nketiah. Uh, I mean, sorry, for Havertz. He's not a great passer. He's just kind of in the middle. And I wonder if Arteta is going to see that as some cost and maybe try and figure out a way to play Partey and Rice along with Odegaard. I'm not sure what the answer is, but that didn't quite work for me for Arsenal. And we'll see what happens. They got away with one because Forrest is terrible on the road and Arsenal are great at home. And they got their two goals early. Dob, dob, done. But second half was worrying because something's not right with Arsenal and this Havertz experiment. So we'll see what happens there. Other games of note. Uh, Manchester City defeat Burnley 3-0. Uh, this game... I know everyone will laugh at me. Everyone will say that I'm out of my mind. Yes, Holland got a goal on four. That made it nice and simple. Yes, Holland got a goal on 36. That made it nice and simple. Uh, so City were up two. But in between the goal and that 30 and that second goal, um Burnley were really good. <laughs> they were not easy to play. They they, you know, City gets the goal. They take a shot on their it's goal on their first shot. De Bruyne, Holland has another shot. But then on 15, 18, and 29, the three shots are Burnley shots. And then Kyle Foster also takes a shot on 37 after the Holland goal. So I thought Burnley acquitted themselves well. They were not bad. But then the second half, of course, is just a complete masterclass by City. This is, this is normal. And I thought Burnley were brave. I'm going to give Burnley a shout because 
they're coming up. They're having a hard time. It's not easy. Uh, player to get a uh, a shout out for Luca Colosio from Connecticut uh, is 18 years old, coming from Espanol. Uh, Vincent Company bought him. Just an amazing little player. Really got on a ball. Did some good work. Uh, always looked good. I thought James Trafford for uh, Burnley was good. Um, a lot of good stuff. Sander Derberg, we know about. They stole him from from Sheffield United, and he just slots right into the midfield. And we did see a little bit of Nathan Redmond late in the game. Uh, good stuff from Burnley and Vincent Company. He said all the right things. For City, it was a little, you know, a lot of Rodri touches, a lot of McAkenji, a lot of passing around the back and Kovacic. Uh, the big news in this game, though, sadly, is Kevin De Bruyne went out on 22, the hamstring that he hurt that has been hurt for almost a year. They still tried to play him, and he still just hurt it again. Maybe he came off early, uh, but I don't know. Uh, Vardiol also came on for Rico Lewis late in the game. Weird lineup for City. You know, uh, Rodri, uh, sorry, um, uh, Rico Lewis at fullback, along with Walker, Akanji, and uh, and Ake. That's never a defense I've ever seen City play. So very strange not to see Stones and Diaz. Diaz had a concussion. Uh, but then we saw Alvarez with De Bruyne, also very strange, and Foden. So some lineups here that City played that we've not seen. City do get their three goals, but it's really just Holland being awesome, <laughs> which is normal, right? So uh, I don't begrudge City. This was not a great performance. The less talked about it, the better. Uh, but really, this is about Burnley. Burnley are good. Burnley are good. So this reinforces my love of Vincent Company. I think Burnley will stay up. I have them staying up, even though they lost this game in particular. Uh, I'm going to jump to my friends in Brighton because I love them. Uh, Brighton beat Luton Town 4-1. All my friends scored goals. Jao Pedro, new new signing, scored a goal. Simon Indingra scored a goal on a mistake by Bazuna. And uh, Ferguson, my favorite young striker, scored a goal on an, in the 95th minute. Sally March getting the game on the board on 36 on a glancing header. Matoma terrorizing poor Luton Town. Uh, Luton did score a goal. They did draw a penalty from the most uh, penalty-awarding player. My favorite player and yours, Lewis Dunk, gets a handball for a ball behind his when his arm sticks out behind his back. Clearly, he intended to handle that ball. That's fine. I can handle it. Uh, and then our friend, new friend to the league, Mr. Carlton Morris, gets Luton's first Premier League goal ever. They are new to the league. Carlton Morris, nice player, scored 20 goals last year in the championship. Uh, happy to see him in the league. Uh, had never scored more than 10 his first time in the championship. Uh, he gets it done. Had been everywhere. Had been everywhere. Just Norwich, Oxford, York, uh, Nor Rotherham, Shrewsbury, uh, MK Dons, Barnsley, the Luton. These classic, 26 years old, these classic, classic, classic uh, League One players that graft and graft and graft. And that's what football's about. It's about these teams. It's not about... Uh, it's not about the big boys. It's about the lower level teams. And Luton played well, even though they gave up the four. There'll be other games that they can get a chance. They just don't have the numbers. But I'm still reinforced by my top four uh, about Brighton and Hovalian, despite Caicedo missing. Uh, just incredible stuff from Gross. Mah Mahmoud Daoud is incredible. I forgot about Estupinian. James Milner in year 23, still in the league. I love him. He's still playing. Matoma is a legend. Idira is a legend. 
you know, Brighton are still just going to cause problems for teams. I promise you that even without Caicedo, I think Caicedo might be a bust. Now I'm, now I'm changing my tune. Anyway, just kidding around. Um, uh, next game, I'm just going to run down the list. Bournemouth won, West Ham won. This is a game West Ham need to have. Jaron Bowen puts them up on 51 on a nice turnover. But then Solanke levels it on 82. Uh, David Moyes is hanging in there. They're starting to spend some money. Thank God. We did get to see Maxwell Cornet. Uh, Paqueta may leave now. We're not sure. City want him because for some reasons. Uh, but West Ham did dominate this game, especially in the first half, but couldn't get the goal until they did. Uh, but good stuff there. One thing I'd like to say for Bournemouth is nice to see David Brooks cancer had cancer last season or two seasons ago. Nice to see him playing on the regular. Nice to see my friend, Mr. Billings, the great Max Aaron's of Norwich fame finally moves. He's on this team. Uh, just a fun little team. Uh, when they have Neto, they're very good. And I think, you know, to be fair, uh, 1-1 really does tell the story. 1.3 XG for both teams. Good stuff from Ariola's first game. We'll find out what happens with Bournemouth. I have them going down with Luton and Sheffield. We shall see. Okay. Um, on to Sheffield nil. Sheffield United nil. Crystal Palace won. Um not a great game, but Edison Edward did score a goal, but he could never score a goal so far. Uh, the bigger interesting part of this game was that um, there was a little kerfuffle on the sideline with um, with Roy Hodgson. He did not take it. He pushed back. He was going to punch a dude. Don't fuck with Roy Hodgson. He was ready to fight. He's still a tough motherfucker. Remember, he is from Croydon. Uh, Palace had 67% possession in this game, took all the shots, did everything they were supposed to do and got the win. Uh, well, not a great performance. Uh, Edward took seven shots, <laughs> three on target, only scored one. Uh, Eze was fire happy. He took eight shots, the wild man, uh, but did not get uh, a goal for himself. Uh, fun game, uh, enjoyable game. I don't think Palace are going down, not with Roy, not with the talent they have. They've already replaced Zaha. So Palace move on and have their 1-0 win. Uh, the team I am worried about, Everton nil, Fulham one. At home, Everton generated 2.9 XG and did not score a goal to Fulham's one and a half. If Everton are going to generate 2.9, almost three goals of XG and not score, they're going to go down. So I am worried again for Everton. They did have a goal chalked off. Uh, that was a little bit of bullshit, but you've seen him given. Anytime you get uh, Tarkovsky fouled the keeper, and then I think it was, um, I think I think it was Michael Keane who fired it in. I'm not sure why Michael Keane is playing. I don't know, but just, I mean, the stats here: nine shots on target out of 19 for Everton, only two on target for um, for Fulham, and they scored their one goal. You know. It was Fulham's first shot on target, scored a goal. Just to give you a sense of that, Mitrovic had one saved on 87. Otherwise, it was their first shot on target that Bobby Reed scored. Uh, Mitrovic and Wilson involved. They had both, I believe, were they both on the bench? I want to make sure here. Uh, Mitrovic came on. Reed came on. Pereira came on. So, uh, um, 
Marco Marco Silva saw the game was had a chance and he changed it. He brings on his three big boys, his three offensive players, right, uh, uh, right on fifty eight. Pereira and Mitrovic come on, and boom! Within twenty minutes, Bobby Reed, who also came on at halftime, uh, you get an everything changed, and that's that. First half, Everton were dominant and should have won this game. And if they're not going to score goals, they're going to go down. And Neil Mope. God love you, you dirty bastard who wants to sleep with everyone's wife. Three shots, four shots, three on target, uh, an XG of 1.4, and he did not score a goal. He's just not a goal scorer. Uh, they did hit the post. I believe it was, um, uh, who's the fullback? Nathan Patterson on a deflection. He hit the post, hit the woodwork. That was a goal they really needed. Uh, I, I just don't understand with Everton, just like, can you find an 18-year-old? Can you find Liam Delap? Someone out of an academy. Can you try and get a Rian uh, Rian uh, Johnson? I can't remember his name from that 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 played for Sheffield. Just find a guy, find someone of some pedigree, and just start churning through them and see if you find a guy who who catches lightning in the bottom. If you remember uh, many years ago at Sunderland, Connor Wickham, and then at Crystal Palace, these kind of players, these strikers, f- keep churning until you find one. Don't just keep running Mope out there and hope for a different result. He's clearly not going to score goals. Uh, if you want uh, Sean Dyche, I will scout for you, and we can find players for you to get yourself back in order. Um, that is the weekend's games. We still have one more game tomorrow. I left out. Manchester United will be playing Wolves. Uh, Wolves in disarray. We know Gary O'Neill's involved. We know that Adama Traore has left. Uh, They don't have much there. Last season, uh, United did the double on Wolves. So two good wins. uh, Two good wins for them. Oh, wait, is it the... Is it both? Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Yes. Last season, United did the double, including a New Year's Eve... uh, Sorry. Yeah, including a New Year's Eve game where... Uh, United won one nil and then a, a two nil win late in March. I think probably the last game of the season, uh, they beat Wolves two nil. Uh, really dominant performances as well. Uh, Wolves were one of the more difficult, they had a hard time scoring all season and they're going to have an even harder time scoring, especially since they don't have any players. So, United play Wolves tomorrow and that will end match week one. Uh, right now. Newcastle United, top of the table, followed by Brighton and City, both on a plus three goal difference with Arsenal on plus one. Palace also with Fulham, get the teams getting wins this week. Uh, fascinating stuff. I love that the Premier League season has started. It makes me so happy. And please, can we get rid of VAR? <laughs> uh, that Chelsea-Liverpool uh, game would have been much, much better <laughs> if we did not have VAR. <laughs> okay, let us wrap this thing up. Um, that was the Squeaky Bum Time podcast with Laurent Fortines. We are the Football Wing, the Chop Sports Channel, and presented by the Premier Streaming Network. We'll be recording on Sundays, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, so you never miss this episode. And if you're listening on Apple, please rate, review, and share because it's that important that we need you. Thank you.